Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. One of the things that has struck me lately is how we use language to tell ourselves a story. We use the language from our upbringing, society, culture, media, science, etc. to describe who we are and what we should become. The words we use are in the language, in my opinion, of materialism and reductionism. And that means, according to those two theories, that nothing but particles exist, that life has no purpose, that when you drill down into ultimate reality, you may find the God particle, but you won't find a soul, you won't find spirit, and you won't, of course, find God. But much of what's happening out there, and the topic that we cover a lot in this show, is this thing called this paradigm shift, this new way of thinking. And much of what this paradigm shifting is about, I think, is about putting our life into different terms, not the terms of materialism, but the terms of consciousness, spirituality, some kind of more ephemeral, all-embracing language that encompasses the full range of human experience. And this means we start expressing ourselves in a new way and tell ourselves a new story. This brings us to my guest this week, Richard Barrett, who I'm happy to have back on the show, to discuss his book, What My Soul Told Me. A Practical Guide to Soul Activation. Now, Richard is a recognized thought leader and author of many books concerning values, culture, and leadership, both in business and in society. His books include A Guide to Liberating Your Soul, Liberating the Corporate Soul, The New Leadership Paradigm, and Love and Fear and the Destiny of Nations, The Impact of the Evolution of Human Consciousness on World Affairs. Richard, thanks for joining us. It's good to have you back on our show here. Thanks, Philip. Just great being with you again. I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, well, I was just saying before the show that, you know, there is this sort of uh, trajectory that a lot of us follow where we go through life and we, we try to find, you know, our the, the seeds of our essence. Uh, we try to get to our passion our, our mission in life and there's this process here and your book what my soul told me much of it is about not only your own sort of development but also trying to put this this development or this evolution of consciousness into more methodical terms and that I think is really helpful because as I was saying at the top of the show a lot of what we we do out here in discussing these topics is that we try is that we are facing a a world where modern science sort of looks at things a little differently and so we're trying to in my mind 
we're trying to get more methodical, more rigor in the way we approach these topics. Now, you yourself, uh, you know, it might be helpful for the listener really to to talk a little bit about your background and how you sort of learned from your your upbringing, your career to become sort of the writer, the the thought leader that you that you are. And now, so so let's let's talk a little bit about your background. What led you to make your transition? into into the thought leader, the consciousness uh, advocate that you have become, Richard? Well, big question, Philip. Yeah. Um, it, my life just unfolded in front of me, and um, I had no idea when I was 17 years of age and deciding to go to university um, what to, to study university. So I did some sort of logical examination of what I liked and what I didn't like. And uh, to cut a long story short, I decided to do a degree in civil engineering, um, which I successfully completed and uh, then went on to do an another degree in um, transportation planning. So my, my, my course was set, I thought. Uh, to be this transportation engineer and uh, off I went and I was very successful. I finished up working at the World Bank, advising on projects all over the world and um, and that, everything was sailing along until I hit my mid-40s and realized that I was completely bored with my career. began to realize that everything that, um, everything that interested me um, had nothing to do with engineering, but had to do with psychology, um, the mystical, the spiritual, and that's what I'd been reading about for most of my life. And so, uh, jokingly, I tell people that you know, at that point in my life, which I later began to recognize was the self-actualization process, I, I realized that I'd misheard my soul when I was seventeen. I thought my soul said. Um, transportation but actually my soul said transformation yeah i thought that was i thought that was really good because i thought that was one of those what what double or triple meetings where there was sort of a synchronicity with a little freudian slip in there yeah. uh, but on the other hand you you learned a lot from your more world your more corporate oriented uh career though i mean that's that's part of what this is about right Absolutely. When I, you know, when I look back now, I, I mean, it was perfect in a way because working at the World Bank, uh, I not only traveled the world and got to see, I went to about 40 or 50 different countries. I, I understood how the world of finance works at the global level. Although as an engineer, I was involved with a lot of economists, etc. And, um, I also learned uh, through my education a rigorous way of looking at science uh, or through the eyes of science at philosophy and psychology. So when I look back now, it was like absolutely perfect. And then, so this awakening of my soul and the awakening of my passion for transformation happened at this midpoint in my life. And I, I, I began to uh, I realized that I needed to write, and so I wrote a book called A Guide to Liberating Your Soul. It took me five years, and that was the awakening of my soul journey. And after that, there were many more books to write. But what actually came out of that was a second book called Liberating the Corporate Soul, where I 
developed a way of measuring consciousness by mapping values uh, to a model I created called the seven levels of consciousness, which was actually just an extension of Maslow's hierarchy and a shift out of needs into consciousness terms. I, I, I built this model by bringing the East and the West together, by bringing Maslow together with Vedic philosophy. And then I realized that at these seven levels of consciousness, you could actually measure where people are in their consciousness if you knew what their values are, because each level of consciousness deals with different aspects of our life as we go through our life journey. And so if I was could ask people their values, I could figure out where they were. And then I realized if I asked people where their organization was, um, I could figure out where it was, uh, where the organization was. And if I asked people what they would like to see in their organization, I could find out, in a sense, the desired culture. So I found a way of actually mapping values to this model, which then allowed me to measure consciousness in leaders and organizations. And in um, 1997, I left the World Bank and set up this business for doing that. And that has been hugely successful all over the world. Uh, we operate, uh, use this methodology in 90 different countries and developed a thriving business from it. And so um, uh, all of that just came from this one realization uh, that uh, when I was 45, that actually I, I was on the wrong track and I needed to express something different in my life, um, which was the passion of my soul. Yeah. And, and this book that we're talking about today, What My Soul Told Me, a guide to a practical guide to soul activation tells about this journey um, of of waking up and connecting with my soul. Yeah, the yeah there's a lot bottom. of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things here, and we're and we have a lot of ground to cover. And I and I I want to uh, emphasize something here that came to me as as you were saying this, and that that one of the one of the differences, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, Richard, but one of the differences I see in this consciousness evolution in this uh, consciousness raising uh, exploration uh, and that so many people are starting to sort of delve into and write about is that we're starting to see these eastern slash mystical concepts being integrated into the practical world and I think that is something that we, we need we should be taking note of because you know the image, and this is really perhaps a separ the separation we have in our heads between science and spirituality. That you think that in order to practice spirituality, you go off into the woods, and then you have your spiritual experience or your meditation, whatever, and then you go back and you live your life. And but you're but you're approaching this, if I understand this correctly, more of an in more of an integral model, more of integrating this this soul or consciousness development into into your daily life now is that accurate absolutely accurate in fact you'll you don't see the word spirituality very much in my books um because um i have this uh, idea or this belief or this practical realization of the soul in my life i uh, you know i ask people in some of my uh, seminars, you know, to stand up if if the if the question or if the statement I make is going to, is true, and I I practice by saying uh, to them, look, um, here's the first statement: I have a car, and 
everybody stands up. And then I say, I am a car, and nobody stands up. And then I say, I have an ego. Um, a lot of people stand up and they say, I am an ego. Mm, people are not quite sure about that. Yeah. Then I say, I have a soul. Nearly always everybody stands up. And then I say, I am a soul. Again, everybody stays standing. And yeah, that's, and, that's and I say, well, there's certainly a lot of confusion in the room as to whether you are a soul or you have a soul. Um, I said, but actually, I think the truth is the soul has you. Yeah. And that is the key, I think to understanding who we are, we are actually souls. Uh, we have an energetic reality, to link it back to what you were saying earlier, we have an energetic reality which links us to the quantum world and the world of energy, and we have a uh, this physical body that links us to the world of matter. And of these two worlds, actually, Einstein linked them together with the formula E equals mc squared, where he, 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 he told us the energy is equivalent to matter times the speed of light squared. So, so we live in this sort of dual world, energetic world and physical world. And most of science and most of what we read about actually is coming from that physical perspective. In order to live our lives here in this physical world, we need to shift the, our identity into the soul and into the energetic world if we really want to be happy and successful. Yeah, I, I'm going to um, tell you why I think Einstein was wrong. And I there's certain, there's certain changes that are occurring out there in the intellectual world. But the, way, the reason why I think Einstein was wrong is because I think that he believed when he said energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, he was talking about matter and energy in the outside physical world. You know, Einstein was really a, was a realist who believed in an independent reality, which is why he never accepted quantum theory and also why the current scientific community is really in a conflict right now between the Einsteinians and really maybe the wheelers of the world. That's a different topic. But, but the reason I say he's wrong is because I think that the source of the energy is with inside of us as opposed to out in outer space. And and so that's so when I say I thought he was wrong, I think he was wrong only in his emphasis. I think the formula is great and I and I would not dispute the formula. But I think what what you do and what I've tried to do in my book The Collapse of Materialism is to show is to argue that the source of energy is within us. Now, I want to talk about the soul here because this is really cool the way you do this is that it seems like you start your book off by saying that you are sort of transcribing words from your soul as sort of like a me I'm not sure if you're talking in terms of inspiration or as a median or what can you explain what you mean by that the soul told you to write this book or that you wrote the book from your soul what what do you mean by that i mean several things um i think when you move into the higher uh, levels of consciousness your your life becomes your soul's life and and if you've managed to work through a lot of your fears then you get 
you you get this inspiration which comes as thoughts um, for some people it's even words but this inspiration that says oh I need to do this and you think God, where does that come from and you try uh, you say well I don't want to do that a perfect example was my book um, The New Leadership Paradigm where I got this inspiration. You need to write a book on leadership, and the thought would not go away. Right. And I, and I said, well, you know, I'm not going to write a book on leadership because uh, let me let me Google, uh, let me look on Amazon and see how many titles there are with leadership in it. There were 300,000, and I thought that's why I'm not writing a book on right. leadership because if if people knew what leadership was, that would have somebody would have written the book, and, and you know, we'd all be happy. However, the thought would not go away. And so then uh, the thought came to me, well, look, add other words to leadership when you do your search. Um, add words like consciousness, um, values, etc. So I added these words. So I did leadership plus, 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 plus. I finished it with eight books which uh, on Amazon that actually coincided with what I thought the leadership was about. So I said to myself, hmm, okay, soul, I'm beginning to see the reason, but um, still hesitant. And then the thought came to me, everybody writes about leadership from the levels of consciousness at which they operate. Right. And I thought, that is so true. And since I can map that, I, I, I read the books of leaders and I noted down the values that were coming through and uh, and I plotted them on my seven levels chart, and I saw that you know some of my favorite authors weren't even operate weren't writing about leadership from this full seven levels perspective. And I actually did this analysis very topically <laughs> now, as it appears, on Donald Trump. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, he has a his leadership book has a chapter on revenge, which like is a limiting value i'd never come across that before <laughs> anyhow so the point was that actually my this discourse this thought discourse that went on convinced me i should write a book on leadership which turned out to be a 400 page book on leading self leading a team leading an organization and leading a society and so that was one way i was inspired but then every day i would get synchronistic happenings leading me to the texts that I needed to study or leading me or giving me the ideas I needed to work yeah, on. Yeah. And that's my whole experience when I'm writing. It's like yeah. I'm living a synchronicity is raining down on me when I'm writing a book. I'm being totally guided in the process. And when I get stuck, I just simply say, so, you know, I've got stuck in the intellectual part of this book. I need to stop. Please, by tomorrow, can you give me some inspiration? Yeah. And the next morning, Bam, it's there, usually yeah. around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, which is highly inconvenient. But still, yeah. I've got used now to getting up at yeah. ridiculous hours and yeah. noting down all of these ideas which flow. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's very, very practical. Yeah, that's, that is, that's almost exactly what happened to me when I, when I wrote uh, my book, uh, The Collapse of Materialism, which uh, started off as a different book but and took a while to write. But... It, you know, sometimes you know that you're on the right path or in tune, whatever term you, we want to use, when things come to you and the right resources there, the right book appears or the right uh, excerpt appears. It just fits into the story. And it's really a remarkable process. And I almost think that that is really sort of a feature of 
inspiration and it's it's hard it's hard to say it's it's hard to know what to call it but it is sort of it's definitely a synchronistical kind of occurrence and it's really a great thing uh there's so many i think there's probably books out there about about the creative uh experience or the creative process richard where i'm sure virtually all great artists have have had the same experience whether it's the rolling stones or or whether it's uh William Woodsworth or whoever uh where where these ideas come to them now you do something else here that i think is is really interesting and i i like you to talk about it a little bit you talk about the four dimensions and you talk about th- the three dimensions of our physical world and then you put the soul into another dimension and i i guess i like to have you explain that because that is something it's it's a unique way of looking at things, but the more I, I read about it and thought about it, I thought that's very similar to sort of other ways of explaining or describing the world we live in. So why don't you talk about your your four dimensions and how you came up with the soul being of the fourth dimension? So um, I... Uh... I realize that uh, the, 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 if you like, the energetic dimension of our lives is something that we, uh, we're not particularly in touch with. And yet, um, if we go to modern science, we realize that we, uh, we are actually energetic beings, that everything is composed of energy. And that is, uh, that, that is kind of left out, uh, and misunderstood. And so I, I said, uh, you know, I realized that we live in this three dimensional physical world, but actually that's contained in a, in a four dimensional energetic world. And, and I, and I say, well, how do, can you, how can we explain that? And so I use this analogy or this, uh, experiment to explain it, which all the listeners can do right now. And, um, it's just a thought experiment. And what I say is, look, you know, if you want to get an idea what it feels like or to understand this fourth dimensional energetic world we live in compared to our three dimensional world, compare the two dimensional world with the three dimensional world and you'll really understand what it's about. So, uh, um, so to, in order to do that, uh, if you, uh, take your hand and uh, hold it up and then point your fingers downwards and drop, drop them onto a table where, so that the fingers touch the table. Um, this table, uh, we in our imagination, is a two-dimensional world um, where beings live who know length and breadth, but they don't know height. And so, when the uh, five fingers drop into their world, the all you all they see are five separate circles, which is where your fingers intersect with, the, with their world. Now, let's assume for a moment that there was a two-dimensional being out for a walk in his two-dimensional park with his two-dimensional dog, and he comes across these five separate circles, which weren't there yesterday but are there today, and he calls his friend a two-dimensional scientist, and the scientist tries to move one of these circles, and, and you try and do that with your finger now, take the fingers of the other hand and move one of your fingers, and it will move, but then after a while, all the other circles follow. And then... The scientists did a similar experiment with all the fingers and realized that somehow the fingers were these not the fingers but the, these circles were linked in some way but couldn't figure out how they were linked but could draw up equations to explain the five separate circles. 
And then uh, other two-dimensional scientists realized that uh, came and they tested their hypothesis and they found it was true. Uh, the, the, the formulas linking these five separate circles were absolutely true. You see, that two-dimensional being doesn't realize that, in fact, um, the circles are actually linked in another dimension, um, which is the, where the top of your fingers are, uh, where they join the hand. And um, But the two-dimensional being doesn't know that. Um, and so uh, it was unaware of the connections that exist between people at the energetic world. So it's a bit like also the comb. If you take the comb, a comb, the comb that you use for your hair, and you cover up the top half of the comb, and all you see are the separate teeth. And when you remove what's covering the top half of the comb, you see actually all the teeth are connected. We see that's exactly how it is with us in the fourth dimension of consciousness. We fail to see the energetic connections between everybody and everything because our five separate senses, our five senses are, 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 are focused on a very, very narrow band of frequencies. And so we don't see so many, uh, the large amount of frequencies of vibration that are out there now, in the energetic world. Now, is one way... And there's a lot here, so let's let's un unwrap this. It, it is one way to connect with the fourth dimension through such things as meditation? Absolutely, okay. uh, absolutely, right. uh, mindfulness and meditation. Um, uh, so it goes back to what you said earlier. I, the energetic source is actually within. Um, um, you might also say that. The energetic source is within and around in the sense that each of us is an energy field. I was going to say has an energy field, but no, no, we are that energy yeah. field. Yeah, and, and yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say that this this to me is really interesting because I, I've had a number of people on the show and I've read a number of books on string theory, for example. And string theory, one of the really... I'm going to say bizarre things about string theory is that in order for the mathematics to work, there has to be like 10 more dimensions or something, depending on what form of string theory you're following. And it's a little known, you know, it's a, it's, it's a little known fact that string theory is the dominating, uh, I think, scientific theory right now because it's supposedly the only one that unites gravity and quantum theory, even though no one could figure out how to test it. But, but my point here is that science itself talks about other dimensions, but those dimensions are always outside of us. They're always like out in outer space somewhere. And it to me, the, what, there's, there's a number of advantages to having this soul dimension, and we could call it other words. But one advantage is that it is provable. To me, it, this is provable. That's why I asked you the question about meditation. You also mentioned mindfulness. Is that there are experiences we have, Richard, and I, I'm wondering what you think about this, that to me shows that there is this fourth dimension as opposed to the 11 dimensions of string theory, which nobody could figure out how to find them. So, so this to me is sort of science and let's call it consciousness studies or you know, looking at the same concept in different ways. You are putting the extra dimension with, within us. M modern science is putting the extra dimensions outside of us. 
So. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I, I uh, These extra dimensions exist in us and through us and around us. Um, they're, they're different. They can only be different levels of vibration um, and um, finer and finer and finer tunes of vibration. And, 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 and within those vibrational fields, um, there is information, there is knowledge, um, there, and so as we move through these different dimensions that, to our existence, the, uh, we can only say, we can only prove that, uh, for me, I can prove to myself that I have a soul and that I live my soul, and that is actually my true reality, my soul consciousness. Um, it, it is so evident to me in my everyday life. Um, and I often, in my earlier days when I was working on this uh, 10 or 15 years ago, people say, well, you know, you often talk about your soul, but you don't talk about God. And I said, well, that is true. And one of the reasons is simply this, that I feel a connection to my soul. I, I'm beginning to understand my soul. And I can, I can, if I concentrate and focus on that connection, then I can let my soul worry about my connection to God because Whatever God is, it's a, some sort of universal energy field which my soul is connected to. And there may be other dimensions, I don't know. But right now, all I can focus on is what I can actually feel and sense and the thoughts that come to me from that next dimension. Yeah, and That's what, all, I can, all I'm aware of. Yeah, and what, what is so ironic about this, and that is that consciousness, I, I'm using the word spirituality, and and to, to me, Richard, I'm not real happy with the word spirituality either because of the connotations uh, that it has with religion. But but uh, consciousness itself has has its own ambiguities. But the the beauty of or the irony of what we're talking about right now is that the main criticism levied against spirituality consciousness is that we deal in concepts, theories that cannot be tested. And to me, that is exactly upside down. There are books written, and there's two very popular books, one called The Trouble with Physics by Lee Smolin, the other one is called Not Even Wrong by Peter Voigt. They both, they both talk about how string theory isn't testable because these dimensions aren't testable. And there's all sorts of other reasons, but the dimensions aren't testable. Now we're talking about this fourth dimension that is testable and so what why so aren't we in a superior aren't we in a in a better more logical place now i want to complete this discussion about the soul with, with this quote from your book that i really thought was enlightening the quote is the will to the will to survive which is found in all living creatures is the will of the soul to be present in a physical three-dimensional form. And that, I'd like you to talk about what you meant by that, because I thought that was a very succinct way to put this concept here. So why don't you talk about what, what you meant by that? Yes, what I mean by that is I'm placing the reality for our existence in this high-dimensional world and the world of the soul. You know, I looked around uh, all, uh, using the web for um, some scientific explanation of uh, where the will to survive comes from. And I 
could not find a single yeah. explanation. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah I've, I've tried the same thing. Go ahead. I think that this is great. Go ahead, Richard. I could not find is, a single great. explanation of well, where the will to survive comes from. It's, yeah, well, it's only, the, it's only the core concept of Darwinian evolution, but leaving that aside, go ahead. Yeah, So what? I'm saying to myself, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, okay, so this is obviously a problem uh, with our materialistic world and uh, and it became so evident to me so quickly that when you operate and think about the reality being the energetic soul reality that uh, and and that our senses are so restricted that we only see a, a fine a f- small spectrum of or we only experience a small spectrum of all the radiation in the world it, it became it really, that I realized that three-dimensionality was a property of our senses. It's not a property of the world. Um, and that if we could tune our other senses, we could experience this and fine-tune our feelings, for example. We'll get into that energetic world. And so um, that was a, an interesting breakthrough, which happened which, in my thinking, which happened quite some time ago. But now I'm actually building that idea into a whole new book, which I hope I get a chance to chat with you early next year. It is called um, A New Psychology of Human Well-Being, and it's the, the sideline is uh, an exploration of the impact of ego-soul dynamics on physical and mental health. Hmm. And, and basically, what I'm saying in this book is that every every problem, every issue that we have um, physical, mental in our so-called three-dimensional physical world comes from the fact that we can't live in alignment with our soul energy and that the, 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 the health issues that we have and the mental issues we have simply come from this misalignment of the motivations of the ego with the motivations of the soul. So if we can get into that alignment Life flows, health flows, and everything's in flow because we're living the life that our soul intended. And the, 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 the key here is to recognize that the soul has three major reasons for incarnating. One, self-expression. Two, unconditional loving connection. And three, unconditional contribution. Yeah. When you can live a life where you get to express yourself, you get to connect, and you get to contribute. You're living the life of your soul. Yeah, that's that's good. That's that's really good. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Richard Barrett, the author of the book What My Soul Told Me, and many other books. Right now, we're focusing on on the concept of the soul, the fourth dimension of the soul, and we're about to talk a little bit about the seven levels uh, of consciousness, which is something very, very important here because other, as you point out in your book, other people have set out these levels of consciousness and levels of, of needs, for example, psychological needs. And I'm not sure whether you know how widespread this idea is one of the the themes that i think is running through this modern more holistic way of looking at things is that consciousness itself evolves and it and that it's that is itself is not a strange concept but i think it would be helpful here to 
to talk about the seven levels in sort of summary fashion. So, so the listener can can understand this is this is not strange. This really, when you hear them, it really is. It really, I think, speaks to your soul, if I may put it that way. <laughs> it, it may it speaks to you because it's it's got some it's got a lot of reality to it. So let's let's just quickly go through the seven levels here, Richard, and so. We un- so folks can understand that this is really a development process. So let's. So what's the first level? Okay, before we do the level, let me make one statement sure. that, that we grow in stages of psychological development. There are seven stages, and attached to each stage is a level of consciousness. So we grow in stages, and we operate at levels. So we begin at the surviving stage of development, not to two, and then we move to the conforming stage, two to eight years old, and then the differentiating stage from um, eight to about 25, and then to the individuating stage, and so on. So, so these are stages that we go through. And at any moment in time, as an adult, we can operate at any level of consciousness. So the surviving when we're operating at the survival level of consciousness, we don't go back to being babies, but we we are focusing on the key issues of survival. So the levels of consciousness are these. And as an adult, you can operate at any one of these. And uh, there's a way of actually seeing which um, levels you're operating from. I can give you a website in two or three minutes. You can figure uh, you can do a small survey and you can... Um, come back and you see which levels of consciousness you're operating from and I'll give you that in a moment but let's just cover them first so the surviving survival is the first level of consciousness where um, and here I define consciousness as awareness with a purpose and so the consciousness of the surviving level it has the purpose of surviving and the next level is relationships so consciousness at that level has to do with building relationships so we start a sort of surviving level of consciousness about taking care of all our physical needs um, so that actually the soul gets to live its experience of being present in our physical world. The ego and interprets that and is encoded in our DNA as the will to survive, but actually it's the soul's will to be present in our physical world. So if you've got a if you've got a a good job and savings and suddenly you lose your job and you lose your savings, you immediately drop down into the survival level because of the fears that you have about your survival. Next comes the relationship level, which is about forming uh, loving, connecting relationships. And um, initially, uh, in our younger days, we do that in order to feel safe. And uh, so connection and relationship is the second level of consciousness so if uh, for example uh, you suddenly find yourself all alone in a foreign land and don't know anybody suddenly a relationship consciousness will be important because you need that sense of belonging and that sense of connection to other people then comes the self-esteem level of consciousness which is about feeling respected and recognized in your community everybody wants to feel respected and recognized because it it gives you a sense of identity you get, you really understand who you are by your relationships to other people so self-esteem by through recognition and respect are really important and um uh, and these are the first three, these first three levels of consciousness all have to do with the ego and all have to do with the first 25 years of our life where we, where the ego learns to try to master the surviving the relationship and the self-esteem levels of consciousness. Now, then okay, come, okay, okay yeah, just a second. Ahead. Okay, I just want to, you know, interject here that 
that it sounds like when you're talking it sounds like we're sort of building a mountain here where we're sort of building a foundation of of consciousness or awareness uh it's pretty hard i you know from a very very practical standpoint and this may not even apply but it's hard to have high thoughts visions uh or uh aspirations to change the world if you if you can't eat if 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 you if you don't have friends if you if you don't have this confidence the from, from what comes from respect or esteem and and i just i want to emphasize that because because the more that these levels are natural are part of our i don't know if it's fair to say if it's accurate to say they're part of our makeup being or whether it's part of any any being this is just the way it works as a logical fashion but i just want to emphasize that 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 this is not some kind of academic exercise richard right this is this is some this is like these are terms concepts that build upon each other right totally correct right right, right. It, that's what makes this powerful okay i inter i interrupted you you're on no the, no on no the, you okay. can interrupt anytime that's philip what, i, I okay. welcome it um uh, because i enjoy the exchange uh so that is to, uh, brings more clarity so, so you're totally correct because what's what's happening during those first three stages is the ego is learning to master these levels of consciousness so it can build a solid foundation through which the soul can operate in uh, in our world. So we're learning to satisfy, in Maslow's terms, satisfy our deficiency needs in the culture which we're brought up in. And and if we master these needs, then we become a viable, independent entity. And 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 from that position, the soul can then live out its life, and you can move into the higher stages of development. Now, if you've got weaknesses in this foundation, as you point out, if you don't know how to handle survival, if you don't handle handle relationship, and you don't know how to handle the self-esteem. These worries are going to keep you focused in these lower levels of consciousness. So learning to master these levels comes at the next level, which is the transformation level. And and uh, this is the individuating stage of development where you actually transform the fears you have about satisfying these first three levels of needs. You transform those fears and, 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 and they go, you let them go. And it's those fears, the energetic vibration of fear, that actually blocks you from connecting with the energetic vibrations of the soul at the next higher levels of consciousness. Which so that you go through the integrating, the individuating stage, and next comes the self-actualizing stage, which is that stage that happens around the mid 40s, uh, and this is when we find this sense of internal cohesion. I call it the internal cohesion level of consciousness where the ego and the soul blend together. The ego's motivations are now able to align with the soul motivations. You find what you're passionate about. You find a sense of meaning uh, in your life. And after that self-actualization level comes the making a difference level, which is really about connecting with other people who share the same passion and purpose so that you can make a bigger difference in the world so connecting there is really important and then comes the last stage which is the level of service um, consciousness where where you would get so much joy and 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 and, 
and so many good feelings about making a difference that that's all you want to do so you enter into the level of service to humanity now that integrating stage usually begins in our 50s and the serving stage usually begins in our 60s and you can work through them a little bit earlier or sometimes a little bit later but generally speaking that's when they occur so these stages actually become levels of consciousness as we and so if you uh if you want to know what you know where you are on these levels of consciousness, I'll give you this website address, and you can just go online and do this test. It's okay. www. The sorry www.valuescenter.com/pva. That's values v a l u e s plural c e n t r e spelt the European way dot com valuescenter.com/pva. So, so where are most so in your in your uh, classes, training, experience? Where are most people on these seven levels? Well, it's the, the you since you evolve and grow by stages um, and through the seasons of your life. This is not a question that's appropriate. Clearly, teenagers. Um, are, are are the differentiating stage. So you start life off in the as a baby, you're in the survival stage. At the next, you move into the conforming stage, which is the relationship level, which is about feeling safe. So you have to build relationships. Two to eight years old. Then, as sort of nine to twenty-five, you're in the differentiating stage where you want to be respected and recognized, and 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 so, uh, and then. Uh, up to the uh, for the next uh, ten or twelve years, you're in the individuating stage, learning to blend the ego with the soul, and then in the forties you move into the self-actualization, fifties integrating. So, well, so each one of those stages belongs to a level of consciousness. So to say, well, where are most people? Okay, if you said, to me, where are most people? Um, uh, you know, in the teenagers, I was they're at the differentiating. Stage. Okay, well, this is this is where this is where I I think I would have a little different emphasis, and that is. Um, some people don't. Some people get locked into some of these stages. And, yes. I mean, I mean, for example, Donald Trump. I mean, just just yes. just to Perfect. take an example, Perfect. it seems to me he is in the he is in the esteem or or uh, individuation uh, phase. I'm not sure. I, I, I think he's beyond the survival phase. But but and I'm not sure whether I'm mixing concepts here between ego and soul. But isn't it? accurate that some people just do not grow out of whether it's age or whether it's maturity or or conscious whatever you want to call it some people just never get out of some of these stages or absolutely or correct okay. absolutely correct and that's why you, you can you can you can measure where people are by their values and their behaviors so this is absolutely correct the, the mass, vast majority of the people on the planet actually never get to the individuating stage. They never get to the transformation level because they they, they live in semi-poverty. And yeah. so their consciousness is often focused at the survival level or even forming relationships or even self-esteem level. Um, so uh, if you live in a nation uh, like the former USSR or China, um, you know, the individuating level, the fourth level is actively discouraged because at that level you become a free thinker. You, yeah. you let go of the, you let go of the, uh, beliefs, uh, and values that you were brought up in and you de begin to develop your own beliefs and values, which are the values of the soul. Mm -hmm. And, um, free thinking like that, 
in the former USSR and in China is just simply are not allowed. And so, you, you know, so these are these are called intellectuals and they get locked up. And if you're, if you're lucky, you get locked up. If you're unlucky, you lose your life. Yeah. So. In well, some nations, people never got the chance to – many nations, people don't get the chance to individuate. Yeah, and, and that itself sounds like a really a really interesting study, uh, and I'm going to have two points here. But it's an interesting study because some uh, folks who are uh, maybe rising up on this ladder here let's, – let's, let's use Stalin as an example, a dictator – where their fulfillment of their ego uh, requires them to suppress other folks, th- that then the fulfillment of this dictator uh, may, as I as I say, limit, restrict the development of whole societies, and that that's something that is that happens all over the world, and it's it's something that makes you know we take for granted in this country as as in the UK, I'm sure you know the notion of freedom. But we still have our, we still have our restrictions. It's just that, uh, you know, the the Western democracies are were based are based upon free thinking for the most part and freedom. So I think it's easier for us to to move up here now. Now I'm going to say something extremely radical, okay? And I'm allowed to do this because this is my show. And so here's here's my radical thing, and that is, we are we are uh, programmed to look at the aging of a person. Uh, you know, the 20s they do this, the 30s they find their first job, they get married, they have kids, um, they buy a house, you have uh, you um, send your kids to college, and then you save up for retirement, and then you um, eventually buy a grave site and, uh, and you pass away. Um, that's sort of a story told from one perspective. I, if you remove those those that structure and you look at the maturation of a human along these seven levels that to me is a much more refreshing way to look at things in other words we're not aging creatures we're developing souls so that this is where and i'm using your word soul i could use a different word but this is i said i was i said it was going to be radical but this is the way i think it's it's very healthy to look at things like that like we're like we are really maturing souls. We're not sort of um, degenerating mortal creatures. So, so I'm not sure what you think about that. But I wanted to say something radical here because to me, this changes the storyline from sort of the materialistic viewpoint to the inner consciousness-based um, standpoint. So. Well. Philip, I don't find that radical at all. That's, yeah. uh, I believe that's right on. And j- just one sentence to finish off the previous discussion where we were talking about nations. I mean, I wrote a whole book on this topic about called Love, Fear, and the Destiny of Nations, where I looked at exactly what you were talking about, uh, about the evolution of consciousness in nations and how it had been restricted for, for, for almost the whole history of Homo sapiens. Yeah. We're living in a moment in time now where democracy is beginning to – it's still fledgling, but it's allowing this individuating 
to happen in in some countries. Huh. Anyhow, to come back to your that's a good by one. the way that's yeah, a good one. By the way, and I did not read your book, but that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, it's good to know uh, that we're uh, sort of on uh, the uh, same page here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and there are only about twenty six. According to the Economic Intelligence Unit, there's only about twenty six nations which have. Uh, anything like anything looking like democracy, uh, um, evolved democracies. Um, most nations are not operating at that level. Anyhow, you can find that out by looking at the democracy in searching on democracy index, uh, economic intelligence unit. Anyhow, but to come back to your point, uh, the the aging process is not an aging process; is the unfolding of the soul. That's the process. And if you manage to pass through each of these levels or stages and master that stage of uh, that level of consciousness, um, you find uh, when you get to um, your 60s or 70s that you'll be living an amazing life in the flow. And the worst thing you can possibly do would be to stop working. That means stop contributing and, and stop connecting. Because you see the soul, as, as I said, incarnates to self-express, to connect, and to contribute. And the time of our lives when when we fulfill all of those is from the mid-40s through to the end of our lives. Yeah. When, the, when, the, when you stop co- contributing, when you stop connecting, and when you no longer have a purpose or you're no longer able to su- express yourself, the will to survive goes away. And that affects the the whole body and infects um, in my new book I'm reading about I'm writing about how that that affects all of the sh- the chakra system because the seven levels of consciousness are, are linked to the chakra system and the chakra system is linked to the physical body yeah there's a, um, yeah yeah there's a lot here there's there's this is this is really good and I'm uh, it's 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 very encouraging to talk to you because your your ideas align with a lot of mine. We're not exactly on the same page here. We're we're very close in structure, and I want to point out something here. And again, I apologize for interjecting, but the when you when you move up these levels, and if you take them as actual uh, integrated, absorbed um, beliefs and systems of action then this starts making sense because when you move to that last level which is service the service level the contributory um, level where you are when you are doing good deeds then to me that now now you are connecting in physical form that which is united at the at the source and that's the way i put it and and when you stop that connection as you say and you start acting as an individual. Example, you buy your own island, and you hang out in a mansion, and all you do is buy yourself new cars and new and new types of sunscreen or new umbrellas or whatever you whatever people do with those on those islands. Um, then you're then to me, the end is near, <laughs> because 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 you've gone back to whatever a lower level. And you're no longer fulfilling the, the the soul purpose. You have disconnected from the source, and and you are basically misaligning yourself with, let's call it the soul. So so I want to emphasize this because I completely agree with this misalignment idea. Um, 
Richard, and there's other people out there who are on the same page here, but but why don't you, and we're, we're, we're coming to the end here, and I know your next book is going to be more about this, but let's, let's quickly touch upon the health and illness uh, aspect here, because this to me also brings this whole topic home. It, it, makes it, it makes it front and center right in our health. So why don't you elaborate a little bit about what you mean by misalignment and illness? And- so it is a huge topic. I'm writing a whole book about yeah, it. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so I know, but it's such an interesting topic. I thought we'd start <laughs> off, and then when you finish your new book, we'll have you back and we'll, okay. whatever. All right, so look, um, you know, um, the so who we are with, with this energy energy field it has seven layers of energy which correspond to the seven levels of consciousness and each layer of energy is connected to the other layers through an energy vortex it's called the chakra system and uh, the outer layers represent the three layers of the soul consciousness the inner three layers represent the uh, ego consciousness in the middle is this uh, uh, heart chakra or the that transformation level which transmutes the fears that we have into love so that we can access these outer layers or they have these the soul access um, the inner layers which are come finally to the body so when you're an unable to uh, when you have fear-based beliefs uh, at the survival level or at the relationship level or at the self-esteem level, these first three layers of consciousness, the chakras there get blocked. And so the energy field from the soul, the life-giving energy, cannot get into those specific layers, which means that that energy cannot feed the body, which causes then the body to go into dysfunction and and sickness, according to um, which of the chakras have closed down and different parts and which the different parts of the body that they relate to. Now, here's the interesting new thing that I've realised is that. The, the surviving level, the root chakra, is actually linked to the chakra which is above the heart. The heart chakra is the middle chakra. The, 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 the chakra above that is, is the throat chakra. The throat chakra is the chakra for self-expression. The root chakra is the chakra for survival. You can't have survival without uh, self-expression without survival. Those two things are linked. The relation, the sacral chakra is linked to the relationship level, which is the connecting level. And the brow chakra is also the, the chakra which relates to the, the will to connect of the soul. And the uh, Crown chakra is the will to contribute, which is linked to the solar plexus chakra, which is the power uh, chakra, if you like, of the, the, where we express our identity because we feel connected uh, into our local community. So, so as you grow, if you have blockages in these lower chakras, you will find ill health in those parts of the body. And as you move into the higher stages of development, if those chakras get blocked, you're not able to ex. Uh, to express yourself, uh, uh, to to connect and to contribute, the the dysfunction and the sickness either shows up at that part of the body linked to that chakra, or link or links to the other chakra, which has to do with self-expression, connection, uh, or contribution in the lower part of the body. So, for example, intra- I've just done this research in the this week that. Um, when people, when men retire, 
what happens is, first of all, they lose their connection to they lose their connections to the world that they're used to, and then they they which is uh, which, that chakra that that stage of developers in the fifties, and then they lose their contribution to the world, which is then the, the chakra that opens in the sixties. So, so when they lose that connection to the world. Um, that's the brow chakra, which links to the uh, to the sacral chakra, which is the uh, the the chakra that deals with our sexuality and also to the um, to um, the uh, oh gosh, I suddenly lost the word uh, the, where we get where men get cancer in old age. Um, okay, prostate, prostate, prostate. prostate. Yeah, okay. that's the prostate level, and so. A failure to connect will link to a, a, a an increase in uh, prostate level cancer, and that's totally borne out by the statistics. Um, stroke, for example, which usually comes in our seventies or eighties, is linked to the ability to contribute. Mm. Um, and so, so all of these stages and levels of consciousness link through to the chakra system, which link through to the dysfunctions. Uh, but they do it in pairs. So you know, the first three stages of ego development correspond to the first three stages of soul development, which all are about self-expression, connection, and contribution. I tried to cover the whole book in a very short period of time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I wanted you to touch upon it because that sort of, to me, brings this back to us in a very concrete form. And I sort of compare that approach, with, which is uh, aligning your life with your soul's purpose or, or your true being with your essence, with comparing that with the materialistic model, which is that we are machines, and that if something goes wrong in the body, you need to take a part out, you need to operate on it, or you need to treat it with chemicals. And it's such a contrast here. And I've always thought, at least give this consciousness, this, uh, this spiritual approach, the first shot at things. Because it does not involve cutting your body open, or it does not involve taking these drugs. And I think that the way our society is going, we're starting to get more acceptance of that because it makes so much sense. And I think that's one reason why alternative forms of healing... Um, are are coming on right now, or are, are, are building building uh, momentum. And speaking of that, we have quickly come to the end, and we have a lot more to talk about, and we haven't covered everything, but we have covered a lot. Uh, and I'm and I, the the beauty of Richard's books, uh, including the one we touched upon today, what my soul told me, is that his books are are fairly short. Um, and they're they're easy to read, and they're um, they're well researched, succinct. And uh, one thing about Richard Barrett is that he does he does break new ground, and he does put together a lot of a lot of new, uh, old concepts into new ways, which is which is really um, what um, we're about here on this show. So, Richard, thank you very much for being here. And again, we've quickly come to the end. Uh, why don't you just you, you've already talked about your new book but for those who want to track you down you, what's your website now um net will get you pretty much to everything that i do that's okay. b-a-r-r-e-t-t 
or as you say in America, B A R R E T T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of different ways. But but once again, you know, once again, and we didn't talk about a lot of things. But the uh, you know, in closing, I just I just want to say that this is this is all about telling a new story, taking control of your life, not living by the uh, as as Richard says in his books, the off the shelf. Uh, stories that have been handed down through the generations, but really taking control of your own direction and and finding uh, your soul's purpose. And at the end, uh, bringing these concepts into our daily lives uh, and making them real to us, uh, not just academic subjects. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We'll see you next week when I'll be speaking to Christopher Knight about God's Blueprint. Been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.